Mark, it's an 87th Precinct bonus episode. It's 1973, and we've just looked at the new book from Ed McBain. Let's hear it for the deaf man. First part of 1973, in fact. What we'll do, as usual here, is we'll have a little look at our book covers to begin with, and the original uh, designs of the English language editions of this story. And then we'll have a little bit of our quiz time (laughs) that we all love before getting on to a chat about casting the deaf man. You'll know what's going on if you listen to the main episode. If you listen to this without listening to the main episode, then... uh, Weird. (laughs) Fair enough. But, I mean, the summary of the copies of the book that we've got is going to be quite quick, I think, isn't it? Well, yes. Well, we've all got the same one. I think we have. Exactly the same edition. The the same year and everything. Well, let's let's cross-reference that. Well, they're all the pan with just a big mouth a on big, the front. big old gob. Yeah. A big old uh, mouth. 76. 76. 76. There we go. Yeah, basically, we've all got the first edition pan. Yeah. Although I, I do have one of these ones. Oh, you've got a D. Llewellyn Hodge I one. Have. I've got oh, a D. Llewellyn well, Hodge. That's... Well, you've got one of them. Yeah, I've got several of them. Several of them, yeah. Where do you buy that? Uh, the same place I'd imagine. We we robbed it from D. Lowell and Hodge. <laughs> yeah. no, where did he get them from? I can't remember. I can't remember either. <laughs> it might have been somewhere like uh, one of the bookshops Henry in town. Bowles. It could well have been, yeah. All oh, right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, there you go. That's nice to see. <laughs> but, the, the, but our cover of this big open mouth doesn't really have any bearing on the story whatsoever, does it? No, not, no. not at all. Zero. It's, so it's, it's a bit of a stupid cover that doesn't even look very good. In my opinion. <laughs> well, there we no, go. Thoroughly dismissed by Steve-O, but I agree entirely. It's, yeah. it's entirely irrelevant. It's trying to get across the notion of someone speaking and someone not being able to hear, I think, but it's just it a doesn't. mouth. There's just about a billion different and better ways you could do that. Yeah, that might even relate to the story. But I, I will show the gentleman here the uh, original versions across the uh, US and the U- UK. So... US hardback there, which is a telephone. So a hand that's holding better. T- that looks yeah, it's, it's, quite it's, interesting. It's stylish, isn't it? I like it. That looks like a pager. What's that? A pager. Like that's a hearing aid. Ah, right. I was going to say, someone got blood on their Walkman. <laughs> oh, no. yeah. Well, it does look like that. Yeah, so the UK hardback. Giant hearing aid. The Hamish Hamilton edition has basically got some of the pictures that the deaf man sends and a old-style hearing aid covered in blood. On the front. Which, yeah, it at least makes more sense than the cover that we've got. Then the yeah. US hardbacks, a bit of the kind of movie poster well, that's kind the, that's of... That's the paperback, that's, the, that's the signet. It's a bit, bit of kind of classic sort of pulp crime kind of artwork, yeah. really, isn't it? Which is great. Yeah, yeah, so that looks good. Yeah. Yeah, all better than the pan edition. I think telephone's my favourite there. I like the telephone one, yeah. yeah. It's nice. Simple and, yeah, the double day hardback edition is just simple but effective. Very nice, very neat. I'll put those up on Instagram as I normally do. Mm-hmm. So we haven't got much to say about our covers, really, because no. it's just a bit boring. Yeah, not one of, of the best. Out of all of the other pan ones, so. Although it remains to be seen or remains to be smelt. Uh, oh, we haven't smelled they, them. Uh, Goodness me, we've got a little huff. Fly. All got the same edition. I wonder oh, if they all smell the same. Who knows? Yeah, they... hmm. <laughs> it was a slightly differently. What we should do is smell all the Llewellyn Hodge ones, see whether they all smell the same. See if we can capture the scent of Llewellyn Hodge. I think I prefer the smell of mine there. Okay. Very very similar, though. Very similar. I suppose you're going to get a similar level of mustiness, unless they've been stored in a radically different fashion. 
Yeah. yeah, I suspect not one of these has been stored hermetically anywhere. No. Mine's almost falling apart, though. Yeah, so is mine. Oh, weak what bindings. Mine, yeah. relatively solid. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Llewellyn Hodge has clearly looked after his copies quite well. Well, you wouldn't put an Ex Libris sticker in if you didn't really, it, you know, exactly. want it in your library and look after it. Yep, so there exactly. we go. Okay, so there we go. I almost, for- almost forgot about the book huffing. <laughs> We'd have got letters. We would, yeah. Yeah. We'd have to do double huffing next time. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> right. So, we'll, we'll move on to our little... move. We'll move on to our quiz of 1973. So, there's two 87th Precinct books out this year, so we can't do the overall one. I'll do the big quiz next time. So, we're back to an old school top ten of the copyright week. So, 29th of January, 1973. Okay. Jan, 73. So these are best-selling singles of that week. So the top ten for that week in the UK and the US. Oh, my Ooh, but I'm going to wow. give you a clue. In the UK, yeah. think glam. I, I was going to say it must be about that time. Have we got T-Rex? Not in the top ten. Ah, oh, rats. The sweet. It's um, slightly early for them. Uh, what could it be if it was the sweet? Uh, blockbuster? Blockbuster video. <laughs> Yes, Blockbuster by the Sweet is number one. Did they do Fox on the Run? They did. Was that after that or before? I'm not sure what order they That's a great song, It's a corker. They had a few great singles, actually. Really good run. Mud at all? No mud. Not not in the top. Slade. Not in the top ten. There's two more... Well, I suppose you'd call them glam. Wizard? Uh, Wizard's in there. Mot the Hoople. No, not Mot the Hoople. Ah. But definitely, there's a wizard song at number ten. See my baby jive. Um, no, I. Which could be Christmas. No, although yeah, I suppose so, it's January, so it yeah, could have been still could, in could there. Could well have been. Uh, what else did they do? I'm trying to think. They did one called Ballpark Incident. Oh, they did. I've heard the name. I don't think I've ever heard the record. No, that's not one that crops up on the, on the radio very often. Hmm. And there's one more glam song in here. Right. Not Roxy Music. No. No Roxy Music. Like have a reputation that they can. You can still talk about Roxy music. Let's put it ah, that way. <laughs> Gary Glitter. Gary Glitter. Oh right. Um, or oh, which one? Um, rock and roll part. The one something? with the worst title. Oh, do you want to touch me? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, do you want to touch me? Brackets. Oh yeah, by Gary Glitter. Lovely. And we'll say no That's more about aged that. very well, hasn't it? Fantastic. I'll <laughs> run through a couple of these. You can give me some thoughts on them. Carly Simon with You're So Vain. You're yeah. So Vain. A little Jimmy Osmond song. Long haired lover from Liverpool. That's the one. Perfect rendition. <laughs> Not squeaky enough, I don't think. This, I suppose, could be glamour in a way. Uh, David Bowie. Starman. Suffragette City. No. Starman, no. no. Um, uh, I can't even think. Gene Gene. Oh, Gene Gene. So we're after um, yeah. Ziggy, yeah. We've got Daniel by Elton John. We've got The Straubs with Part of the Union. Oh, yeah. You don't get me. I'm part, part of, of the union. union. Yep. Which I don't know if that reflects the fact that there was quite a lot of industrial unrest at the time. Oh, well, possibly, quite possibly, yeah. Wishing Well by Free. Oh. All the time. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Oh, rock. I don't bow, know that one, and now that's the most I've heard of it. Bow, now, now, now. Oh, is that one, is it? Yeah, bow, now, like, now, um, yeah. Okay. Bow, Paul Kossoff had left. And we've got If You Don't Know Me By Now by Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Thankfully not the Simply Red version, which is I was going to say, I'm thinking, yeah. What about over in the in 
uh, America. It's probably still flipping Simon and Garfunkel. It has been for the last... Uh, wouldn't have got any of our glam stuff, so it's going to be no. quite different. It is quite different, yeah. Um, ooh, what would we have? There's only two common artists to the chart. Um, Harold Melvin? No. no. Um, I'm trying to think what... Did Bowie have any impact? Not at that stage, Gary Glitter. (laughs) No, Gary Glitter never got up in the top ten of America. I don't believe. Please don't prove me wrong. Donny Osmond. No. Um, And there's definitely one American sports team that still has uh, I'm the leader of the gang I am as like their... um, It's Chicago. It might be the... One of the I can't remember. So one of our American listeners might be able to help. There's a Chicago sports team that still has Gary Glitter as their official music. Someone might want to have a word with them. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, right. the, the common the common threads are "You're So Vain" by Carly Simon, oh, and, yeah. uh, and there's an Elton John song, a different Daniel. one, different one to Vincent. Just... No, that was Don McLean. Oh, that was Don McLean. <laughs> um, this is more to do with um, people trying to put to sleep large scaly lizards. Uh, sleep tonight. Crocodile rock. Crocodile rock. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Good clue. Sleep tonight. I wonder what that song was. Sleep tonight. tonight the alligator Jimmy the croc. Uh, yep. <laughs> Let me run through. I'll, I'll, I'll run through some of these. So, Your Mama Can't Dance by Kenny Loggins and Jim Messina. Loggins. Messina. Kenny Loggins was going in 1973. Yeah, Loggins and Messina, yeah. Bloody hell. Why Can't We Live Together by Timmy Thomas. Which I've never heard of, but obviously, you know, I mean, we're saying it got to number five yeah. in the chart. Ah. And I listened to it today, and it's a sort of, it's a bit of a crap funk instrumental. Oh. Not even like really hard hitting, powerful funk, but because it's quite a sparse instrument, I believe it's been sampled by loads of artists ah. since. So it's uh, one of those ones that's had a life beyond its original time. Were the oh, eagles man. still kicking around? They the, may well have uh, been. The charts. But, not in the top ten anyway at this point. Were oh, you doing single? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry. There was Me and Mrs. Jones by Billy Paul. Oh, yeah. Oh, Babe, What Would You Say by Hurricane Smith. <sighs> Again, straight over my head. Marvin Gaye with Trouble Man. Hmm. Then Johnny Rivers with Rockin' Pneumonia, Boogie Woogie Flu. Oh. And then The World is a Ghetto by War. Crikey. Mm. So I like that sort of juxtaposition. You've got Marvin Gaye doing Trouble Man. You've got The World is a Ghetto. And in the middle, you've got Rock Pneumonia, <laughs> Boogie Woogie Flu. <laughs> it's a bit of a contrast there. A bit of light relief. Yeah. Amazing. I've been quite light touch with some of this information because I mm. felt we were going to have a lot of talk, stuff to talk about with the Deaf Man casting. Mm. But let me say that in the first half of the year where I've looked for things in the film and TV things, there were no... Carry on films. Thank God for that. But we're not done with them yet, unfortunately. (laughs) There were also no Hammer Horror films in the first half of 1973. Well, I think they'd started running out of money a bit by this stage. They were mainly doing the TV spin-offs. Sad times. But they seem to... The end is nigh, I think. Yeah, it's not far off. Especially with The the Exorcist was 73, wasn't it? And that kind of... It gave uh, horror t- a more t- serious edge, didn't mm, it? A bit of uh, yeah. Well, it, it kind it, of it rendered a lot of the Hammer stuff kind of seeming quite campy and obsolete, really. Didn't yeah, it? all pretty much all of a sudden as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely. There's a big change going on. Yeah, a couple of TV st- series that started in America. You get the start of the Six Million Dollar Man. Oh, starts in March. 
And in the UK, you get the start of a little programme called Last of the oh, Summer I Wine. Ju- I was just going to say, did Last of the Summer Wine start in 1973? Because I knew it was about... Yeah. As our West Yorkshire representative, well, I would have expected that from you. Yeah, well, I knew it was around then, yeah. For our... The birth of old... Well, they weren't that old then, were they? Going down hillsides they, in wonder, bathtubs. Did they seem old at the time? I don't, I don't know. I th- no, they, they would have probably... Peter Salas was probably about probably 50. You know, I don't think he would have been that much older than that then. So for people who don't know Last of the Summer Wine, which will be basically anyone who's not from uh, the UK, it's basically the story of a group of, well, retired men. Although I think in the early ones, it's possibly some of them have been laid off. Mm. And there's a bit of a social thing going on there with sort of what's happening in in these old mill towns or the industrial north, things Mm. like that. So it's not literally these are some granddads knocking about. And it starts out like that, and it becomes a bit more farcical as the years go by. It ran for a very, very long time. But it's set in the very beautiful part of the country, in uh, Home Firth, in West Yorkshire. And It was 52, yeah. So. Hmm. so these people who seemed impossibly old to us by the time we were watching it were... Not... Well, they have been in their 80s then, yeah. Mm. Well, and in still... the 60s and 70s when I first started watching it in the, in the 80s. Yeah. Still rolling down hills in bathtubs on wheels for some reason. Yeah, yeah I'm like, sure that just... probably only happened a couple of times, but it seemed oh, to happen every week. No, no, it happened a lot. That <laughs> it did run. It ran for a very, very long time, and it was all written by one guy as well. Yeah. You think about the number of episodes. But basically, the pilot of that was on in in the fourth of January. That was part of the comedy playhouse series. Do you remember the first of the summer wine? It was the prequel series. Yes, I did. I really liked that. Yeah, it didn't last that long. That no, it was it was all about their wartime thing. So blimey, getting off the off the the point here. Sorry, everyone who's not uh, from the UK and has no idea what we're talking about. (laughs) It was a very gentle sort of thing. It was. And of all the films in the first part of the year, the one I've selected to mention is Day of the Jackal. Oh, yeah. Oh, I watched that again the other day, actually, so that was good. Yeah, I've not seen that for a long, long time. Yeah, it's excellent. It seems to me, as I was looking for films to talk about from the first part of the year, that actually, by this point, most of the big studios are putting their films out in the holiday period towards the end of the year. So mm. all the big films are in the second part of 1973. So we're not talking about them. <laughs> the Day of the Jackal, though. Excellent. I've got no really particular infrastructure things here, Steve, I'm afraid. But on the 1st of January 1973, something very relevant politically happened. Uh, Very, very relevant to us in this country at the moment. Did we join the EEC? Yeah, we joined the European Economic Community. Um, That's what it stood for, wasn't it? And we're about to plunge out of it with no deal Uh, in the next few months. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. La-di-da. (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, let's not linger on that. Steve-O. On the 7th of January 1973, a, an important sporting organisation was born, uh, was founded. A sport that you and I both love. A sport that you and I both play. What am I talking about? The British Darts organisation was founded, I would hazard a guess. That's it, yes. <laughs> By Ollie Croft. Mad Ollie. Yeah. So both Steve-O and I play darts in a, in a local league and the British Darts organisation is uh, central to the professionalness of the game, which we are far, far away from. Yep, indeed. <laughs> there's grassroots darts and then there's um, seed rotting in the mud darts, which is more what <laughs> we are. You probably didn't have a world champion until 70, uh, 77, so a few more years of 
growth. Yeah. You'd still be very much in the working men's clubs for in, quite of Stoke a few, on next, Trent, next few years. Yeah. Rather bigger things were happening in America. I mean, surely bigger small, than <laughs> bigger than small darts organisation. I think not. Well, Nixon's re-elected come the January. Obviously, there's a lot more to do with Nixon coming in the next mm-hmm. bit of the uh, the year. We won't get into that. But one significant thing that he, he does follow through on is he, he ends the US involvement in Vietnam in January of 1973. So they sign the peace treaty there and yep. get the hell out of Dodge. And for a little bit of sporting fun, Super Bowl Seven, Dolphins... Miami Dolphins went undefeated in 1973. He's absolutely right. It was the first ever perfect season, which culminated in them de- uh, defeating the Redskins 14-7. Crikey. A little bit of sporting fun for you all there. Yeah. So we'll have lots more 1973 facts from the uh, back end of the year in our next podcast. <laughs> and there's definitely been more to talk about there, with Nixon especially. So let's get on to casting the deaf man. Oh. So he's been portrayed on screen twice. We've talked about this before. First time was by Robert Vaughan in the TV series, and he was nicely suave. And yeah, you could imagine that. And uh, then obviously Yul Brynner in Fuzz, and it's just weird. Yeah, doesn't really work. Much as he looks very smart in his um, in his suit. <laughs> well, he does does look very smart in his suit. But um, yeah, listen to the Fuzz podcast if you want to hear my thoughts on that. Anyway. So we've all got a suggestion of who we think we'd like to cast. But first, I'll run through some of the names of people that um, have been suggested by you, our dear, dear listeners. And we've had, as I suspected, quite a few. We've had, for instance, um, how do you say it now? I've only ever... Cillian, Killian Murphy? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, Carrie Yules, who was in Stranger Things. Who? Carrie Yules. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's that chap there. Oh, yeah, I get it, yeah. Yeah, I think it's pronounced Yules, E-L-W-E-S. If not, sorry. Ed Harris. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan Gosling is a suggestion. Oh, right, okay, yeah. He's got, you know, he I, he, he does blondness and uh, intense eyes pretty well, doesn't I, I, he? I did have a, a, a bit of a think about Ryan Gosling as well. I think he could be quite good. Yeah, probably wouldn't get him for a TV series these days. No, though. that's no. true. Although, I mean, what a, what a show it's going to be, so possibly he'd be tempted back. Who yeah, knows? well, I know, when he sees all the other names involved. Who else have we got? Uh, Neil McDonough. He's looking pretty good there. He's uh, another guy you'll have seen in quite a few things oh, yeah. there, Neil McDonough. Tom Hardy was a suggestion. Mm-hmm. He's a bit ubiquitous for me. If he plays it <laughs> with the Bane voice, I'd be quite happy. Not the McBane voice, the Bane. <laughs> that, that would be quite funny, wouldn't it? <laughs> The bane, yeah. I mean, he's very good, Tom Hardy, but uh, is he a bit too, a bit too beefy? Yeah, too short and beefy. I don't know how tall he is. He's probably like eight foot tall. For all I, know. I think you need some. Well, uh, yeah. But well, the suggestions idea. don't end there. Oh, There's right, more okay. to come. My goodness. You need somebody with a twinkle in their eye for this role. Well, um, our friend Stella has suggested Army Hammer, which is one of my favourite weird names ever. Army Hammer. That's not a particularly great picture of him there. Oh, yeah. He's been in quite a few things, yeah. Army Hammer. In yeah. fact, Stella did mention that she'd had a dream um, with Army Hammer in where she spent most of the dream convincing him to play the deaf man in an 87th Precinct story. <laughs> so I'm very sorry, Stella, for our invading your dreams with our nonsense. Hmm. 
we had a, a late suggestion from uh, our friend uh, Crimin Ollie, which of Daniel Craig. All right. Okay. Yeah. 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 You know, he'll be I looking guess. for work soon as well, won't he? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah I'd not thought of him. But, yeah. but uh, uh, part of the suggestion being an American audience does love a good British villain. Yeah. So there's nothing to say that Deaf Man couldn't be British. That's true. No. We've also got Chris Hemsworth as a suggestion. He can, you know, he, although he plays goofy mm. and action very well, he can be quite... Uh, yeah. I think he could possibly pull it off. Although I'd probably get a bit distracted because he's quite dreamy. It makes me feel a bit funny. Hold me, Thor. Oh, I mean... You'd want the Death Man to be quite dreamy because he doesn't yeah, have, to have to be quite alluring, doesn't he? He does have to be very mm. alluring. But it just needs to be able to, to to manage that shift between sort of charm and, and psychopathic menace. Yeah, it's a razor blade sort of yeah. edge, isn't it? Between And um, what was described as a bit of a left field suggestion by our friend Matthew Sullivan was the musician actor John Lurie from... He did a show called Fishing with John in the early 90s, this chap here in a group called the Lounge Lizards. Mm. And he's got a pretty intense look about oh, him. He certainly does, yeah. I will just say thank you to our various friends who sent those in. If, if I don't know your actual name, like at JezQ7, or, well, I know our friend Andrew has much to do about Nil, Nil on Twitter, and Track Isumisu, and M. Hardy, and James Hanna, and Ian Patrick, authors, both of them. So there's some very good suggestions, very, very good suggestions there. I like those. I'm going to go to you, Steve-O, for oh, your yeah. suggestion of who you'd like to play the deaf man. Well, I still think my idea, uh, my suggestion is better than any Trump's of those. These, in in my own head, yeah. Well, in my that's own it. head. I think Woody Harrelson would be absolutely perfect for the deaf man. Yeah. Blonde head, quite tall. And I think he does, he's got a twinkle in his eye and a uh, quite smiley, but then can do um, total maniac very, very easily. And you scroll down any photo you see uh, of him and you just think, yeah, I reckon he could, he could do it very, very well. So he's pretty... What I have in my mind's eye, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Woody Harrelson, who I grew up with watching in Cheers, as many, mm. many people did, and then sort of didn't know anything about him for years until he he suddenly was a, a quite a, a cool actor. Yeah. And playing some quite interesting, dynamic, and occasionally violent roles. Yeah, I think he would be able to pull off that... that the fine that line. aspect of the deaf man's character mm. exceptionally well. I could and, see that. And I think he physically resembles uh, him very well as well. Yeah. So mm. that is my suggestion, which I think is... Um, you think that's the winner, do you? Well, yeah. Well, let's go to Morgan Brown for his suggestion. And I might do a Kevin McClory if we don't cast him, and I'm going to have my own 87 <laughs> series, a bit like Kevin McClory had with uh, Thunderball when he made uh, Never Say Never Again. I'm going to do my own, <laughs> just so I can do it my way. All right, well, I'll see you in court. Yeah. But uh, just commenting on some of those... Uh, Cillian Murphy was mentioned, you see. Yeah. I, I've got him in mind for something else. Oh, right. Ah, so he's, he's in reserve. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Well, sometimes people go up to read for one character and end up getting yeah. cast Well, exactly, another, exactly, yeah. And uh, before I... Because I'm very excited about uh, Woody Harrelson. That, yeah, similarly, if he doesn't get the nod from uh, our uh, voting, then uh, I would be thinking, trying to get him in some other way. Yeah, okey-doke, right. But anyway... Shut up now. Um, no. <laughs> my, my only sort of 
thought, and it's annoying me now because I'm, I'm looking up photos, and he appears to be generally less blonde than I'd, I'd imagined. We can fix that. But yeah, um, I was going to suggest, um, I, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right, but Nicolaj Costa-Waldau, uh, who um, is mainly known to most people for playing Jamie Lannister in Game of Thrones. Okay. Um, also crops up in, um, I remember him quite well from the movie adaptation of uh, Headhunters, the Joe Nesbo novel. Um, so he's, he's got he's, crime fiction pedigree. He does have crime fiction pedigree. He's got a good sort of balance between sort of like being this kind of tall, handsome, charming kind of guy, but can probably, uh, well, can definitely handle that kind of uh, psychopathic menace too. Okay. Um, Show me a picture because I've never watched Game of Thrones, so it's it's all, uh, if he's not a dragon, I don't recognise him. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to find a good one that will represent him well, but... Um, Ah, okay. Right, yeah. Right, okay. There's a lot of very handsome men being put forward, I mean, appropriately. I think he he does need to be, doesn't he? He's he's got to have this this almost kind of... Magnetic charm. Yeah, definitely. Because he has quite a power over... Um, women, doesn't it? Well, people generally. Well, and, and he, that, this book, he gets people doing all sorts of ridiculous things, doesn't he? Just because yeah. he kind of hoodwinks them into it with his with his charm. Okay. Well, my suggestion, before we go any further, is simply the greatest. It's Patrick McGowan. Oh, right, yeah. And you think about how many times <laughs> oh, he turned God. up in Columbo as a villain. Oh, well, bloody hell. He's uh-huh. probably the only person I could uh, <laughs> possibly trump. <laughs> oh God Almighty! I, love, I absolutely I love Patrick love, love uh, good old Patch McGowan. Is there any way Patrick McGowan could be anybody else? <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> I've dropped a, Mag- a McGowan bomb into the mix. Shit! Because <laughs> <laughs> even as the prisoner, where he's our hero, he's weird and enigmatic mm. and mysterious, and he's got those intense eyes that are always I'm pretty sure he never blinks once mm. in the entire run of the prisoner he's really good with a catchphrase as well isn't he yeah. oh I'm, I'm sorry you'll have to yeah if you, <laughs> I'm a trifle deaf <laughs> that came out better than I expected yeah. it to. in my mind that sounded perfect well it did sound a bit more like him when he was older in Colombo. <laughs> yeah, no so. he, he would have been fantastic, I think, definitely. Yeah, he'd have come off the set of Danger Man and could have gone into 87th Precinct <laughs> instead of The Prisoner. So what do we do, gentlemen, then? How, how do we... Uh... Well, yeah, I don't know. See, really. I don't want to lose steve from the team if we don't take Woody Harrelson wow. on board. No. That's true, I mean... That's See, a... I, do, I do love the idea of Woody Harrelson, but Patrick McGowan, perhaps he's the only person... You see, Woody Harrelson might be... Well, he's not got quite enough hair to be. Uh, that can be um, that can be arranged, surely, yeah. can't it? But he can do well, anything he, with CGI. Well, he could, he, you know, because he, uh, he, he's potentially kind of um, cotton horse cling kind of. Yeah, and this is something of, someone said about um, um, kind of uh, territory. Hemsworth or someone like that. You could do the similar thing of yeah. cotton horse. Mm. You could, you could bring them in like that. Yeah. So well, yeah. With 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 yeah, someone like a, a Hemsworth, you'd you'd have more use for their um, uh, comic abilities with a part like that as well. I think, which would be good. It'd be a shame to waste that. I think. Yeah. I do like Patrick McGowan though. <laughs> and what, what what do you? What, what, well, obviously, I love Patrick McGowan. I do like your suggestion, of Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Harrelson. I do like Carrie Yule's. Out this suggestion by our friend Andrew. 
Because if you remember him from Stranger Things, I like his look. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think they could actually be good. The picture I've got of him here is, is uh, he's got a sort of brooding intensity about him. So, yeah, so that was our friend Andrew's suggestion. And that's my, yeah. I don't know any of these. Ed Harris would have perhaps been very good if it's, you know, younger. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, how, I don't know how to solve this problem. Well, I'm going to be decisive, and it's for me, it's got to be Harrelson or McGowan. Right, okay, so he's shot down these other suggestions. Uh, well, uh, yeah. What do you think, Morgan? Come on. Like, McGowan's great for a sort of casting from any era. If we're talking about making this show right now, yeah, uh, which obviously we are, you know, well, uh, yeah, several yeah. major studios are interested. Oh, of course, yeah, so, I'm getting letters every day. I, that being the case, uh, I mean, I, I, I do like uh, Matey from Stranger Things, whose name I've already forgotten. Carry yours. But if, if Steve-O's continued involvement in the project depends on it, I would go for, I'd happily go for uh, Harrelson, I guess. Oof. I think I then... I didn't know I was going to get a backer. He's got a backer, and I think in order to move on from well, this... Well, I don't want to, I don't want to, bra- you know, I don't want to... After he's... Uh, I don't want to be, be chosen in, in that way. Uh, but I do think it'd be very good. And I am prepared to go with you. Everyone... We need McGowan in somehow. We'll though. figure something Who's out. Who's McGowan going to play? I don't know. Uh, we'll get him to direct. He was very good. He directed a few Columbos. <laughs> yeah, he could be... Uh, anyway. You won't get it. Yeah. Line from Prisoner. <laughs> Woody well, Harrelson. Excellent. You ring Woody Harrelson well, up. Well, and then... I reckon he'd be ace. Ace. Well, because he's, he, he always looks like he's... He's going to totally lose it at any minute kind of look yeah. very well. And yet would come over as very charming. and Yeah, I, I, I could see him doing it. I yeah. think it would be good. And I think once he hears who else we've got on board for the yeah. project, I think he's probably going to be quite interested. Well, his favourite first question will be, where's McGowan? Yeah. <laughs> I heard Pat was involved. That's why I signed on. So we'll have to think carefully about that. Everyone have a think about who Patrick McGoon could be. Let's reverse engineer a role for him in this. So we, we can probably McGoon think of just Patrick a random, yeah, like a random villain in. Uh, I tell you who he he could have been actually. Um, the guy who kills his tea, um, Sadie when she died, husband. Oh yeah, taking Carell around all those bars. Ooh, that would have been interesting. Yeah. Yeah, he'd do a role terrific. like that very well. Certainly yeah. would. Oh, he's brilliant. Yeah. So thank you, everyone, for your suggestions. Mm-hmm. Please feel free to argue with our final decisive choice of Woody Harrelson as the Deaf Man, a recurring character in our fantasy TV 87th Precinct series. Oh, it's getting exciting. That looks like Brian Eno. <laughs> Brian Eno. That's Neil, Mac- Neil McDonald. Yeah. Which member... <laughs> Phil Manzarana as uh, Luke Pete Burns with his with his fly sunglasses on. Okay, we're we're recasting all of the series with just members of Rocky Music. Yeah. So we've cast in next. We need to decide. That. I know we need to decide who we're going to cast um, next. Do we go back to a detective or? Do we go for something else? Yeah, because we've got loads of detectives to get through. Haven't but we? we haven't done many... And there's mu- new detectives too. We haven't done much in the way of female characters. Oh, no, we've not. We so, haven't had that many female characters no. No, that's thus just, far in the... Uh, well, the ones who are going to crop up, really, anyway. 
Teddy or Aileen Burke or... I'm just watching Steve-O prod his book. That's what the noise is you're probably hearing coming through the mic. I think we should hear Aileen Burke when she's back in yeah, that would make style sense. in the... When's that? The early 80s? When yeah, she a little while, back. yeah. So perhaps we should go for the most important one of Indeed. all. Another big name in the series. What? P- P- Teddy Carella. Oh, right, okay. I think we should probably do that. Excellent. Teddy Carella, I think this will be another big name one, this. Well, indeed. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, following the footsteps of uh, Jenna Rollins, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's already a precedent. She's been played a few times. She's always been involved in any adaptations across the world that have been done. So this will be interesting to see what people think these days. Get your thinking caps on, everyone. It's Teddy Carella next time. And until then, when we return... I'm going to say uh, au revoir, mes amis. That's what Poirot says. Goodbye. He doesn't say that. Uh, Fairly well. <laughs> <laughs>